Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Preferred Walk-Ons Podcast. Today is March 5th, and we are set for the ACC tournament. It was the final weekend of the regular season for most teams in college basketball. We've got minor conference tournaments taking place right now. I am excited. You sound like it. I'm, yeah. Uh, I can feel the enthusiasm. <laughs> hey, my team won a share of the ACC championship yeah, regular you, season. You sure did. Did Miami get the one seed because they were more efficient? They were slightly more efficient ha! in their game against UVA earlier this season, which is why they got the one. Oh, game. so, okay, cool. Winning games mattered. I want to say a quick thoughts and prayers to Pitt, though, who had a three-pointer mm. at the buzzer that would have won them the one seed in the tournament and missed and now have to play. They only get one bye. They're a five. Yeah. Now. That is a huge drop for one a, shot. It is a massive drop. And I decided last night, based on that situation, and also I read there was a really good article on The Athletic about Pitt and kind of their unexpected rise towards the top of the conference. And I decided, you know what? I'm kind of pulling for them. I'm not a big Capel fan, but like, it's a fun team. It's a ragtag group of transfers and... I don't know, man. I enjoy it. You know what? I found myself going the other way on that yesterday. And so, like, <laughs> as that shot missed and I they went down to the five seed, I was like, ha! Yeah. Frauds. <laughs> Even though they clearly have overperformed and have had a great season and crushed UVA earlier this year. I just think the way they play is fun. They take a lot of threes. They play up-tempo. Like, it's it's enjoyable. And there's just cool... I don't know. There's cool stories. I, I just... I think it's... Uh, I highly recommend... The write-up on The Athletic. Because there, there's some things about their transfers that like I spent all year just kind of being like, eh, it's Pitt, I don't really care. I'm not going to look into who Nellie Cummings is. But it uh, turns out he's like a local kid who hmm. is the classic story of like didn't get a scholarship offer, went off to Colgate. They actually played at Pitt at one point, and it was like during one of the Pitt's really awful years, and the arena was empty, and he was like, no, I'm coming back here and changing this. Hmm. And there he is. Cool. Well, yeah. anyway. Now, now with that missed shot, they are hey, perhaps wow. just outside of the tournament, the NCAA tournament, looking in. They're right on the ball. Which is wild to me still. Like, they, come on. What are we doing? Anyway, I don't want to get into all that again, although I know that we're going to on some level today. Yes. So, let's, let's talk about the ACC first. So, Miami wins the conference along with UVA. UVA definitely has played better in the last week. We have North Carolina and Duke playing a very exciting game, even though both teams didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Mm -hmm. Where do you want to start? Well, you know, I think that um, it's hard to start an ACC-focused podcast without starting with Carolina-Duke. This was amazing, right? Because you don't see a lot of... uh, I was actually watching with a couple of, of Duke alumni, and you don't see a ton of games where neither team is ranked, right? They're both a little disappointed. Duke has surged enough at this point, I think, to be considered a lock for the tournament. Um, They've been pretty hot over the last couple of weeks here and have found that that rhythm, you know, if only some wise podcast host back in the beginning of the season had said, this team's going to struggle, but they're not going to be the team you want to see in March. What a wild 
Or, or I guess pair of hosts. It's not like we disagreed on no, that. No, we didn't. Um, it's good. And we got one right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> First time for everything. Nailed it. You know, this, this still had that drama. It, you know, so it's funny, right? Because we think back to last year and seeing Duke Carolina in the Final Four. And you have this drama over that of this kind of winner go home thing. And this sort of felt like it had a winner stay home type of scenario for Carolina. I, like, do you, do you think this is it's over for them at this point? I think barring if, ACC tournament championship potential, I think if they didn't have to play in the ACC tournament, I think they would be done. Right? I think that loss, coupled with their previous losses, their only one quad one win against UVA, I think that they are still square. I think it is currently, but I don't know. We'll see where that lands. I wasn't again. sure if they beat Louisville by enough yesterday. To I don't. Yeah, I, no. we we moved up a little bit. I think I think Carolina's out right now, but. You know, they're going to get an opportunity to make a run in the ACC tournament, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if they, they're going to get another shot at UVA if they can get out of their game against Boston College or Louisville. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a good victory for them, potentially. They might have another chance at either NC State or Clemson in the semifinals. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're going to have some work to do at this point, right? I mean, there's, yeah. so, there's so many other bubble teams that are doing well. And we can talk more about that nationally, but Carolina, this was a high-profile game with a chance. I think everybody was looking for an opportunity to say, yes, they beat Duke, they should be a tournament team, and they ended up not doing it. Mm-hmm. It's tough because I think that, it, don't get me wrong, the UVA win is impressive, but I think in the context of all of the other quad one losses and missed opportunities, and plus we kind of talked about it in the last pod, but it felt like you know Carolina was going to get somebody. You know, like They're not a bad team. So they were gonna win one, and it's it's still they're still a massively disappointing team. I, I mean, even if they, I just think like even if they barely get in, if they squeak into the tournament, I have to look at this as an ABC fan as just one of the greatest moments of preseason number one to bubble team that probably has left out maybe gets in now if they make some like ridiculous postseason run i'm gonna never watch college basketball again but yeah i I don't know i just think like this team it's the same kind of thing that we've been talking about all year with them like they they can't shoot when it comes down to like a big moment in a big game caleb love is either gonna be an unstoppable hero or he's gonna take like horrific shots there was one it was like five or six minutes left. Uh, no, it was late in the first half is what it was. And Carolina was kind of trying to make their little run to, to try to get up at halftime. And he just took this drive and like sort of got stopped and like spun at the elbow and took this jumper that didn't even hit the rim. And it was just like, I, I don't know. Like th- those types of things, if that's your offense and they're struggling to play up tempo as well, like, I, yeah, I just... I. I don't know. This is going to be tough. I, I, it's going to be tough, I think, at some point in the next year or two, we're going to have to talk about Hubert Davis and, like, what is he going to do to salvage this? Because it's not like that fan base is going to be very patient with him. Yeah, my my thought in watching the game is Duke was really forcing them and almost daring them to shoot outside because of how bad of an outside shooting team they are. But they really took so many bad shots. Mm-hmm. Like, four settled for three, settled for mid-range jumpers, hoping that Armando Baycott could get a rebound and go back up with it or something. And there had several points in the game where I felt like Carolina had the momentum. They had Duke on their heels. No pun intended. And 
just didn't take advantage of it. Just played really stupid offensive basketball mm-hmm. and let Duke hang around. And then Duke made the plays at the end to win. Kyle Filipowski was a beast underneath the basket. But you had an opportunity with Lively out for a significant period of time with Jarek Whitehead out for a significant period of time with foul trouble. And they just could not take advantage because they're not a good enough shooting team. Even with Pete Nance, he's been playing better because of his lemon Oreos. Yeah, Jesus Christ. You know, for how many times we get to hear that story. Even my wife last night was, like, done with that. And she was barely paying attention. But they brought up the Oreos at one point, And she just, like, was... I thought... I really thought she was about to throw something through our TV. <laughs> she was she just, like... She, she was, like, yelling at Jay Billis. Just shut up! Like, which I get. Uh... Yeah. I also do that, but <laughs> unrelated to the Oreos. I mean, they did a whole segment on it. Like, right. it, it, oh, Jesus. I, yeah, it's, it, but even that, like, goes to show, like, this thing that I think we did talk about where it does feel as though when Carolina and Duke are slightly down, there's this grasping at straws to find a narrative around them that makes them interesting again because, God forbid, Miami or Virginia or Pitt, whoever is actually the best team in the ACC. But, but it just may be the case. And, and, yeah, I mean, it's again, it's still just such an interesting conference year where teams are kind of beating up on each other. The Pac-12 is not dissimilar. Like, they have a, a, a kind of similar thing where teams are, um, I mean, they have teams at the top, right, um, with UCLA and Arizona. But other than that, like, it's a lot of sort of cannibalism within the conference, making resumes not look super great. And but yeah, Carolina, like you just you had to beat your rival. You had to. And and they couldn't quite do it. God, I hope they missed the tournament. I can't say it enough. It would be great. It's a, it's kind of amazing that they are like I get the reasons for this, but Pitt, like we said, one or two inches away from being the one seed. Mm-hmm. They're on many people's bracketology, maybe outside looking in, they're pretty close. Clemson is considered by almost everybody to be out despite the fact that they are the three seed in the ACC, had the same conference record as Duke. Yeah. They are, and beat up on Notre Dame yesterday, mm-hmm. they're pretty much out unless they make a run in the ACC. So you really like, it, it is conceivable that there will be only three ACC teams in the tournament with Miami, Duke, and Virginia. Like that may, that is a realistic Scenario. I mean, I think NC State is going to be in, but it's conceivable if they lose. Oh, they're they're, they're not they're as on the bubble too. They're right? not as safe as I think people like some state fans seem to think they are. You know, and, and some of that's due to the way they played in the last week or two of the season. Like our our two teams each kind of didn't really close out the regular season the way that I think we would have liked. State definitely worse than than Virginia, but there is a level to that of kind of. It, it, it put us in a position where it looked like we were safe. It looked like we were fairly safe if we just took care of business. And the reality is that we got blown out by Clemson, and and the things just didn't look as safe. There's been you know some positive developments on that side in terms of teams that we beat in our non-conference schedule kind of surging at the end, like Vanderbilt, which has made our numbers go up. It makes us look better, which is, again, I think stupid, like... I don't know. I, I think it's dumb that even when it benefits my team, the fact that we beat Vanderbilt like back in November, and now they're winning some games in February, March, and that somehow makes us look better is wild to me. But like I'll take it as a fan, but I also think it's just kind of dumb. 
I mean, but that's the thing keeping Carolina in the conversation, right? Is Carolina's non-conference strength of schedule is 19th in the country. Now, they didn't win those games, but like because they played them, it puts them <laughs> in a better position, and that's what's holding Clemson back. Clemson's non-conference strength of schedule, 335th. Not great. That's not good at all, right? It's like State's sitting there in like the 240s. But 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 won those games and then won games in the conference that were unexpected. Won a game against State, against Duke and Carolina, split those series and like beat Wake Forest and and I don't know. It just seems to me like there's a lot still to be done in this conference tournament. But I mean, we looked at that last year. You're talking about like bubble teams and thinking about what that can look like. Just last year, if you remember Texas A and M, Texas A and M was 19 and 11 in the regular season. So similar situation to some of these teams that we're talking about. Non-conference schedule was ranked in the like lower 100s. It was almost almost 200. They had a very very similar kind of resume to some of these bubble teams where they won some quad one games, but I think they were like three and nine in quad one. In the SEC tournament, they beat Florida, Auburn, Arkansas. Right, Florida was like 61st in the in the net. Auburn and Arkansas were both top 20 teams. Lost to Tennessee in the title game and didn't make the tournament. So even a tournament run, even a conference tournament run, does not guarantee a bubble team that chance to, to to go through. I don't know if the resume is better for a Clemson. Like if Clemson makes a run to the title game but loses to Miami, is that enough for them? I would think so. But I also think Clemson should be in right now anyway. Yeah, I think it's difficult. I don't know that anybody's really going to get credit in the ACC for winning games because no one is highly ranked like Virginia yeah. and Miami are really the only two teams that are going to help I mean I think Duke maybe a little bit but they're a little bit lower since they're not a ranked team mm-hmm. so you could you could imagine a scenario in other conferences where Oklahoma State makes a run in the Big 12 and gets to the championship game because they've beaten several ranked teams and you think okay they've definitely played themselves in but if mm-hmm. Clemson beats uh, NC State, like, does that help their resume all that much? I mean, maybe, but I don't know. I, I yeah, I, I do think that the perception of that and the analytics of the conference definitely hurts at this point in the year. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I, I kind of hate that. I, I, I get that. Yes, the Big Twelve tournament involves going through some teams that the numbers think more highly of, and I, and I understand. I do understand that. Like, I'm not, I'm not wanting to completely dismiss the role that those analytics play and, and things like that. But I just think some of it, like, you should get credit for making a tournament run in your conference. And the ACC is not the Horizon League, right? It's not as though these teams aren't good. These teams are capable of beating other decent teams on any given, you know, like Louisville played close games at the end of the season with some, with some teams and Louisville, like, I I don't know, like they're easily the worst team or like Boston college, you know, took care of UVA like relatively easily just a couple weeks ago. So, so I mean, does that mean that UVA is bad or does that mean that sort of the bottom half of the conference is actually pretty decent? And I think there's some credit there of, you know, there's, there's not, like in the ACC right now, outside of playing Louisville, probably maybe Georgia Tech, outside of those two teams, there's not a given night where you look at it and you're like, "This is automatic." You know, we're going to take care of this. Which right. I guess, like the, the number, like a lot of people take that as a criticism of the ACC. I don't know. I think that's not a bad place to be in. Clearly, there's still some positive thoughts. I know we're going to talk about awards in a little bit, but like, there's two John Wooden Award finalists in the ACC. Clearly, there's some good players. There's good teams there. Like otherwise, these things wouldn't be happening. I don't, I don't know. I just 
I think it's a little. There's kind of some unfortunate situations put in, and and part of that is probably biased by the fact that my team now is like a probable eleven seed, but you know, it is what it is. I, I just think like if state right now, like so, bracket matrix has this as an eleven seed. If we go to the ACC title game and even lose to Miami, you're that's not going to move us up to you know an eight nine. I think it would. I just think around the margins, it won't make a huge difference. But yeah, I could see it. You know, you could bump up a seed line okay. too. I will say, I think the everything you just outlined about the conference and how it is possible for any team to win on any given night, which I think is not always true in other conferences. I think that does, as a UVA fan, I think our fan base has gotten a little bit jaded to the fact that Tony Bennett's teams have won six out of ten regular season championships in the ACC. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like, I think people should celebrate that more. I, I remember after the Boston College loss and the North Carolina loss, there are a lot of fans online who are like, well, this doesn't really matter. We just need to play better. Yeah. And in the last week, now that they've won and some bounces went their way with other teams, it's like, yay, we did it. But... It's a big deal. I think mm-hmm. I think it's harder to win that than it is to put three or four games together just on a weekend where anything can happen. Like, obviously, I would love to win the ACC tournament championship too, but being able to win 15 out of 20 games in a conference when North Carolina and Duke can't do that, I mean, I it's, totally a, it's a big deal, and I think UVA fans out there, if you're listening, should celebrate it. You should uh, toast Tony Bennett for it. And the players. I totally agree. I, I think that's obviously a harder thing to do. I, you know, the, I mean, look at that, the season, like Georgia Tech ran through the tournament, you know, like things happen. Virginia Tech last year, right? right. Like they had a very small probability of winning it. And I mean, I, I, as a, again, like as a fan of a team whose last championship came at a time where you had to win your conference tournament to get in and state made an improbable run through the conference tournament. And that's what made that possible. Like, I still think that's a magical thing that we shouldn't dismiss and is incredible, right? But winning a regular... Like the regular season needs to matter, right? And winning games in the regular season needs to matter. And and I think that that's, that's my biggest gripe with some of the net stuff is just, like, at a certain point, like, among the ACC, I think it's not terrible. It's, it's more about the context of the ACC within the rest of the country where I think... There are some unfair penalties there. But, like, yeah, Virginia has one game. Miami has one game. Pitt has one game. Clemson has one. Like, hats off. Like, I, I don't know. We played a similar schedule. Like, State couldn't win those games. So, we can sit there and say State's in and Clemson's not. But Clemson won, you know, like, they did better in the same conference than we did. So, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I get that the out-of-conference schedule was worse. So, yes, the games they played in November and December were easier. But as the season went on, when we were playing the same opponents, they had a better record. But to me, like I, if Clemson made it and State didn't, I don't think I would like throw a fit about it. Mm-hmm. I'd be upset as long as Carolina doesn't make it too. I'm good. But like, then we can have a parade. <laughs> yeah, I'd be upset that my team didn't make it, but I wouldn't be as upset as I would with some other teams if they were to make it ahead of NC State. West Virginia. West Virginia, by beating Kansas State yesterday, puts me in a better mood about it because they actually, you know, won a game. (laughs) But yeah, it's close enough that I'm going to, I mean, I'm not super thrilled about Boise State being up in there, like in that kind of. Not a good loss to Utah State yesterday. Yeah. But like then Utah State is like, 
I, I don't know. I, I just feel like that's the thing. Is whatever. I don't want to go. Before, before we get into other conferences and bubble and all other stuff, sure. who do you like in the ACC now? Seeing the bracket out, it's a shame because I, I really think a week or so ago I would have maybe two weeks ago I would have even taking the Homer hat off, and I think I did say this. Like I liked NC State's chance to make a run, but the way that Tequavion Smith is playing right now, and just his inability to make shots, and he's turned into Caleb Love. I like. I don't. I don't think that's there anymore. So I mean, I think outside of the obvious, like the one seed in Miami, right? I don't know. I mean, I, I give me Clemson. Mm. I really, I really like Clemson here, and I've liked UVA all year, but it's hard to trust them too. And I'm kind of, I, I kind of don't want to pick the two that tied for the top of the conference. So I'll be brave and pick the three seed. I just think the way Clemson plays, when they get hot shooting the ball, that it's it's unreal. I think stylistically they are so. Looking at their side of the bracket, you know, if the favorites win, they're going to get NC State, and Clemson seems like the toughest matchup for State this year um, out of those those seeds. And then going through a Virginia or Carolina, and the next like, you know, they played Virginia fairly close last time, like here in Charlottesville for most of the game. Carolina, if they get to that point, God knows what's happening, right? So, like, but I still think, yeah, I like Clemson. Clemson or, Clemson or Miami. Miami's been my pick all year. Yeah. And now that the bracket is out, I'm going against it. <laughs> it's uh, tough, actually. Like, yeah. I think this this will give you an insight, since many of you listeners don't know me personally. <laughs> I often think, what is the thing that could go the most wrong? <laughs> And then intuitively just sense that that is what's going to happen. I think we're going to see a Duke-UNC final. I think NC State will beat Clemson. And then there will be a North Carolina-NC State semifinal with Miami and Duke. And we were going to get another Duke-Carolina game in Greensboro. Mm -hmm. All the Carolina stuff is just going to be nonstop about how they're both... And, and that at that point, everyone will have said that North Carolina's in because they beat UVA and NC State, suddenly the two greatest programs in the history yeah, of the world. Yeah. And yeah, we'll get round three. That's that is my just intuitive in my gut. This is what I think is going to happen, and I hate it. I'm, I na- hate I'm nauseous thinking about <laughs> it. I could see the scenario. Here's the scenario I see playing out. I I like, like I said, I like UVA. But I do, in the back of my head, I have this thing where where Carolina plays Boston College in their first game and squeaks by. Like, barely beats BC and then comes out and kind of controls the game against Virginia. Not, like, blows them out, but double-digit win. Like, I just, for some reason, that feels like something this Carolina team would do. And, I mean, it they, they play a lot of games. Greensboro ends up being a home game for Duke and Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. So well, and that's why I like where we where state is because I think the fact that we wouldn't see either of them until semifinals, like we are gonna have home games, kind of. So that that feels good. Um, but then, yeah, the this having to see them in those late games. I I mean, I hate the scenario that you played out. But that being said, like as much as I said, I, I was tempted to pick Miami as the one seed. I, I almost feel like being the one seed in this year's tournament kind of sucks. Like. Syracuse and Wake as your possible first opponent, those two teams are both dangerous. Not super good, but teams that you could see having a really good night, and it's it's tough. And you got to play at noon. 
that's what I, I hate about it is is I know conference tournament stuff is fun, but you're either the one seed and you play at noon, or you're in state situation where your games are tipping off at ten o'clock every night. And I don't know which one's better, but it just feels like these noon games sometimes get weird. But yeah, I mean, no, I I I don't. I'm as much as I say I see that scenario where that could happen with Carolina. I don't think that is the most likely scenario. I think UVA getting another shot at Carolina. I don't think the heels get through that. Selfishly, I mean, both because I think it would be a better matchup, but also I just want to see Virginia avenge. I would love to see Virginia get another chance at Boston College just Uh because they played that game so poorly. And I I just, I feel like we just need to. Oh, that'd be fun because then Carolina's definitely out. Carolina loses to Boston College, they're out. Unless Joe Lenardi finds a secret envelope that indicates they should be in. But. I don't know. That's kind of what I would want. I would want to see Boston College just, and, and they've been playing a lot better recently. But I just that that game up in Chestnut Hill just left such a bad taste in my mouth mm-hmm. that I I want to avenge it. Even the North Carolina game, like losing in Chapel Hill, is not that I mean, you don't want to, but yeah. it makes sense that they would, especially when Carolina needed that as their only good win on their resume. So my like see. looking at this, you know, more and more the. Um, my dark horse is getting a UVA Virginia Tech semifinal. I, I just think like Virginia Tech all the way down there at eleven, but like at the same time, that's not a team you want to play. They just they ha- they're capable of hitting so many threes for sure. They yeah they can so they just get a little bit hot on back to back day. Like this the tournament is built for that. So you you play you play back to back days and it's like you can keep riding that hot streak. I mean. They just got beaten Notre Dame, and then it's NC State, and the way we've been playing and giving up points, like, who knows, right? And then, like, it just doesn't feel like they – it doesn't feel out of the realm of possibility, which is just kind of crazy to me. But um, I think ultimately this is going to be one of those one of those top four seeds is winning this tournament. Like, it's just – yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just think it's kind of, kind of built for that. But it's going to be fun for sure. Uh, the one thing I know cannot happen, um, Louisville cannot win a game because – as of right now, they are the only team in the history of college basketball with more top 100 recruits on their roster than wins in a season. Ooh, they have five top 100 recruits and four wins. So let's keep it that way. We can't let them win a game. And I, I need that, that factoid to still be true. You hate to see it with Louisville. <laughs> They're, that's one of those programs. You know that next year they're going to come out gonna and be, be like, not maybe not great, but they're going to be, you know, dangerous. Hire Rick Pitino back. You can. Mm-hmm. No, they got to stick with and, it. They got to stick with it. You're just saying that because you don't want them to win. I, I no, I, I think there's no problem with the direction they are headed. That team has <laughs> that team has gotten markedly better over the course of the year. Okay. Speaking of markedly better, they're you, losing close games, so we throw them in the f-ing tournament. Sorry. <laughs> Do you think do you think Josh Pastner has saved his job? No. Cuz I think I think he has. I think they're they're playing well enough here at the end of the year in the last 3 weeks they've actually been playing well. I think Georgia that, Tech is going to keep him around. That would be year. the most Georgia Tech thing. Right? You're probably right. I I would have said a month ago there's no chance. But you've got like a new you got like long. a new AD and everything down there. I I don't know. 
you got to hire a, you had to hire a football coach. You know, you don't want to hire too many coaches and buy out right when you get on the yeah, job, you right? You got to yeah, you do. You gotta you gotta have to stretch those projects over the course of a few months so that you have you know billable things on your timesheet if you're the AD. That's my perspective. Watch, I think watch them right. watch them like win a couple games. Like watch them beat Florida State and then beat Pitt. And now that wouldn't be surprising. No, it'd be, it would be it would be surprising. It would it wouldn't be like crazy. No, I don't think it would be crazy. It would be surprising. Georgia Tech beating Pitt. I think they're going to beat Florida State. I'm saying Georgia Tech then beating Pitt would would be. Pitt, I still don't believe in them. I really don't believe in them. They're not that far removed from 0-17 in the ACC. So, no, I believe believe in Pitt at least that far. I don't know if I believe in Pitt against Duke, but um, then you get a little capel magic. That's right. He knows the program. He knows. That's he dangerous. knows all the ins and outs. He knows John Shire. Just feeling dangerously close to like a Skip Bayless type line of reasoning for something. <laughs> <laughs> well, before before we leave the ACC, because I don't know that we care as much about the other conferences here, but Conference Player of the Year. Who is it? I'm making you say it because I don't want to say it. It's probably Armando Baker, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's either him or Turquavion at this point. And Turquavion has not been good enough in the last couple of weeks. Nobody and Armando Baycott wasn't great in their game at Florida State either. I mean, he needed a late free throw to even score. He almost went scoreless for the first time since his freshman year. But yeah, yeah I mean, I think probably just he racks up so many stats, right? Like he's the most important player on that team. If they didn't have him getting rebounds and you know putbacks, they mm-hmm. would be terrible. Like it, they wouldn't even be close to the yeah. level. So it is interesting because I feel like the 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 top competitors for this award have all kind of had not great ends to the season. Like Isaiah Wong even has not been putting up the same kind of numbers, I feel like. Hunter Tyson has kind of gone downhill a little bit towards the end here. Yeah, to me, it's 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 one of those four people, right? It's it's our, it's Baycott, Wong, Smith, or Tyson, probably. Um, I think it probably is Baycott, unfortunately. What about Coach of the Year? Coach of the Year in the conference, I think it has to be Jeff Capel. Yeah. I mean... They literally were one, two points away from winning the conference. And that team was not expected to be any good. Nobody yeah. thought they were going to be in a position to even sniff the tournament. So, yeah, it has to be him. It's got to be Jeff Capel. And I think he's got to be in the conversation even nationally. Like, I just think if if you're considering part of Coach of the Year roster construction and going out there and finding the, the transfers and the recruits that fit what you want to do, which I think that should factor in in this day and age. Like, it's such a big part of the way coaches do. I mean, recruiting was always big, but now with transfers, it's like you're almost like a GM as well. Uh, yeah, it's got to be capable in the conference, and, and, and I think he deserves some credit on a national scale as well. I mean, if it's not him, it's, I mean, Larinaga for getting the one seed. Do you put Tony Bennett up there for consistencies, uh, for rewarding consistency? Brad Brownell? No, for... no, no, none of these people. <laughs> I love Tony, but I wouldn't it's say obviously, this is his it's best obviously coaching Jeff Cable. Yeah, yeah. No, it's clearly not. But you know, he'll he'll will it to happen. That's right. We willed ourselves to a co-championship. Yeah. So cool. All right, where do you want to go next? Let's keep let's keep looking at conference tournaments and see what other ones. What what's uh, what's the next one you're the, interested in? What I have in? what I have next on my tab here just. Across my computer screen is the SEC. So All right, yeah, let's I'd like go there. to go there, especially after a couple of big games yesterday where Texas A&M takes down Alabama. 
uh, was a big win. It was a, Alabama's third straight game being down double digits early in the game. I mean, they have the capability of coming back, but also, you know, in an NCAA tournament game, probably getting down double digits, not a great formula. It's not great. They've looked, they've looked weak ever since, ever since I said that I felt like they were the obvious best team in the country. They've, they've looked weak. It's nothing almost, else it's happened almost, around that program. I was going to say, so. it's almost like something external to the program mm-hmm. is weighing them down. Mm-hmm. It's possible that a they're... A possible distraction, you possible. might say. I will say, watching that game, that, uh... I didn't love. It felt like they found themselves at the short end of some officiating stuff uh, in the second half, especially. You know, and, and some of it wasn't even like I guess terrible officiating. It was just there was some like like Brandon Miller's fifth foul was just a really unlucky like. There was a loose ball coming off of a long rebound, and he got tangled up sort of with somebody in the pursuit and got called for a foul. And I I, I don't think it was a bad foul call. It just was like an unfortunate play to have the best player in the country go out in this huge game that's tough like texas a&m i mean they're they're the two seed right so like they're obviously a good team in this conference but also every time i watch them i'm just kind of like are they there was literally a play a play yesterday where in the first half the texas a&m point guard wade taylor that yeah he he dribbles down the floor he just passed the ball to the ref who was standing out of bounds and I don't know if he was like trying to call timeout and thought that like he had gotten a timeout, but he just did this. And I was like, "How is this team like this good?" There were just several plays yesterday where they looked incompetent, and and I just didn't. I don't know. And you got Buzz Williams like losing his mind on the sideline and just over every little thing, like with his vest and he's sweating through his. <laughs> I just I don't know. There's something about that team that I don't totally trust either. But I got I got Kentucky in this SEC tournament. If if they're healthy, if if they get these guys back who have been out these last couple of games, like Kaysom Wallace was out, um, CJ Frederick played but was hurt. I think Sheboy is dealing with some stuff as well. Um, they have, I mean, they have by won. throwing elbows in people's face, you know that you can always injure injure your elbow doing that. Whatever, so. man, they were both going at it. <laughs> no, he obviously should have been ejected from that game, but but like you know you have one of the most dominant presences in the game in him. So, like, I don't know. I just think Kentucky's surging right now, and I like it. I like them to to win this tournament. Kentucky is the most inexplicable team to me. And I, I guess that it's inexplicable is maybe the wrong word because they have so much youth mm-hmm. plus than Chibwe, right? Yeah. And so I guess with youth, you just have inconsistent performances and injuries like you just mentioned. But I don't know. Like... Every time I talk myself into them and think they're back, they're ready to go, they're going to go on a win streak, they're beating Tennessee, Mississippi State, Florida, Auburn, mm-hmm. then they lose at home to Mandy. And you're like, Mandy's mm-hmm. kind of hot right now. I know. I of course, Mandy's also on their end of the bracket. But also, so. right before that four game win streak I just mentioned, they lost to Georgia and Arkansas. Like, I don't know. I just, I could see them winning. It would not surprise me at all to see them winning, and I think that they will probably make the championship. I'm mm-hmm. still going to pick Alabama. I just think Alabama is the best team overall, even though they haven't been playing as well right now. So I think, and that would be a fun final, Alabama and Kentucky. That mm-hmm. would be a, a, a great final for the conference. But I'll tell you who I'm not picking, Tennessee. Nice. Tennessee Lost is, your guard to an ACL and... Yeah, they haven't. They had been playing inconsistently before then, but losing Ziegler like yeah. that 
I think is going to doom them. Like, they could easily lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament now. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Oh, for sure. I, I had a, a realization when I pulled out the SEC tournament bracket. Missouri is the four seed in the SEC. That's step one, part one of my <laughs> epiphany. Part two, Missouri is the four seed in the SEC. I have not watched a single second of Missouri basketball this season. You gotta watch some. I guess I was a little surprised they were for the four seed here. I, somehow they have completely. This is a confession on my part. I pay. I I feel like I pay pretty close attention to most teams around the country, especially ones that are like in tournament conversations and are high seeds in their conference tournaments. And there's something about Missouri that like they have flown under the radar for for me. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I just feel like it's an interesting. They're a fun. They're a fun team because they're really great offensively. Like they're a top ten yep. offensive team, but they're horrendous on defense. So they give up a ton of points. Sounds familiar. Yeah, they're great at home also. So like their games at home, they are with like a couple of exceptions. They they got beaten up by Alabama, which is you know no shame in that. But uh-huh. at home, they've just had such a great record. That they can beat anybody at home. I good thing they're going to be playing these tournament games. Right. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot of faith that they're going to be able to play well in Nashville, yeah. which I think is where the tournament yeah, it is. is. So, yeah, I, it's just interesting to me to see them there as the four seed, and it was like, boy, I mean, you, you figure that's going to be like I can see that being South Carolina that they're going to play. I can see South Carolina being Tennessee, but maybe that's downgrading Tennessee too much. I, I like Alabama's path towards the SEC championship game looks paved in gold, right? I mean, Mississippi State can be dangerous. And Florida, according to the final four odds you sent me the other day, is a real is a real dangerous team. That was weird. I, I was looking up odds for national championship, and Florida randomly was in there at plus 500 and like right next to Marquette and, yeah. some of those, and I was like wait a minute that yeah. doesn't make any sense at all they're not even going to be in the tournament but huh? maybe maybe Vegas knows something Vegas knows something they know something and I'm just undervaluing them anyway, that, for, for me the the thing in the conference that's the most interesting and then we can move on um, to other conferences you've got Arkansas who I thought was going to be one of the preseason best teams and they were not healthy for a long time got healthy they're still not playing great basketball and auburn two teams that are probably both in but around the bubble Mm -hmm. they're gonna have a chance to really solidify that position i mean that's that's gonna be a really good game auburn almost beat alabama and then came back and beat tennessee yesterday both of those teams are very capable of beating texas a&m in the next game so you could find either one of those teams maybe making a dark horse run yeah i mean i think arkansas just because you have I always look for when I'm looking for upsets or kind of Cinderella runs, whether it's conference tournament or the national tournament, I look for these teams that are probably seated lower than their talent because they've had injuries or whatever the case may be. And that to me, that's that's going to be, for, for the SEC tournament, I think Arkansas absolutely fits that bill. And then Kentucky fits that bill for me nationally, right? Where you know they have more talent than than the seed that they're likely to get, which, you know, bracket matrix right now has them as a six. So when you look at that, like, and they're going to be in that six, seven range, if they make a run, maybe they make it up to that five or four, depending on what they do, right? If they win the conference, I think they're, they're probably up in that four range potentially, but nationally, I think there's teams like that, but yes, Arkansas, 
Currently, they have them in there as an eight seed in the NCAA tournament, and they're a ten seed in their own conference tournament. So, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, so I think like again, that's just to me that's the numbers recognizing and and people recognizing that this is a team that has more talent than their record suggests, which I can I can sort of understand. <laughs> Where are you going next? Where do you want to look? Um, so let's go to the Pac-12. Okay. Let's go out west. Sure. Um, I think this is an interesting conference where you have a bunch of... To me, it's very similar to the ACC. Again, I, I mentioned this earlier, with the exception of having some top-end teams that the ACC doesn't necessarily have. So there's a bunch of really good teams that are dangerous. You know, I think like Washington State um, is a good team. They're sitting there in the five seed in this conference. Arizona State seems like the kind of team that can just beat anybody on a given night. Last night, they were down to USC by like 20 points, and they came back and fell short by a buzzer beater. They beat Arizona just a couple of weeks ago on like a half-court shot. So, But then you obviously have the class of the conference, UCLA and Arizona, as one and two seeds. This is a conference, where I, a conference tournament where I am going to go ahead and go with the favorite. I think UCLA holds true to form. And goes ahead and, and, and wins this conference tournament and solidifies a one seed in the big dance. Yeah, I like UCLA too. They're my national championship pick, so why wouldn't I also <laughs> pick them for their conference? They're just playing so well right now. They, I mean, really they, haven't, are. they haven't lost since January. I think they're the best team, if not the best team in the country. They're, they're certainly the best team in the conference. Uh, they showed with Arizona last night that, again, they were playing at home, but... I, I think that they are the superior, more all-around team. I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna take USC as the team that gets into the final with them. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna get a, the, a a new Big Ten battle for LA. Battle for LA. That's right. The Big, <laughs> Ten. Big Ten. Jesus the Big Ten presents the Pac-12 oh, championship. Oh God! I kind of momentarily forgot about that, and here it is. The Big Ten. Jesus Christ! I'm gonna hate that. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is. Um, I totally could see that being the matchup. I, I don't I don't know. I just don't trust USC all that much. Maybe that's recency bias watching them almost blow a lead against uh, Arizona State last night. But, yeah, I mean, I think, like, they're obviously a good team. Uh, Boogie Ellis is somehow still a college player. I don't, if he feels like he's been around for so long. You know, the transfers kind of, like, extend things like that a little bit. But... Yeah, I, I mean, watching UCLA last night, I have so much faith in them because of the way that they withstood punches from Arizona. I mean, Arizona's a very good team who kept coming back, kept fighting back, and UCLA, every time Arizona got close, would just extend that lead out a little bit more. And just, they they, they just couldn't do it. And you've got, and that was, last night they were doing that with Jalen Clark getting hurt. And if Jalen Clark gets healthy, and they're fully, they've got everything in their, in their arsenal, then... Um, I totally agree that UCLA is a reasonable national championship pick. I like a UCLA-Arizona rematch in the tournament championship. I think it's going to go 1-2 here. I really do. Yeah, I think in a small tournament sample size, somebody like Boogie Ellis being the best player on the floor and being able to mm. just take over a game single-handedly is possible. Yeah. In a way that maybe in the NCAA tournament over the course of six games, you know, you wouldn't trust him to do that every single game. Teams will find ways to take them away but Arizona to me just strikes me like they're really good I watch them and I think wow this is a really good team they just strike me as the exact kind of team that's going to lose in the second <laughs> round to like a Creighton or sure 
Michigan State or Iowa or somebody like that. That's just I don't know. That's just my vibe that I'm getting from them watching. It's just they they don't get enough stops, mm-hmm. and sometimes you're you can't just outshoot the other team, and that that concerns me a little bit. Even though they're they're really good offensively, I mean they're the sixth ranked team in efficiency in the entire country and are amazing shooting uh, 56.5% <laughs> effective field goal percentage. That's awesome. But I don't know. I just don't trust them. That's fair. I, maybe this is the team that in the second round of the tournament, West Virginia almost beats. <laughs> <laughs> Man, West Virginia, I'm, I'm just going to keep betting on it. Ever since we did that podcast yeah. and you trashed West Virginia, how bad they are. They just have been the best team in the country. And I just, <sighs> I'm going to keep betting on them. I'm going to... I'm going to ride that slot machine until somebody closes it down because that is just paying just, me out. I look at this and, and, you know, I get it, what you're saying about USC, and, and I understand what you're saying about Arizona. I think last night even watching them and the last couple of times I've watched them, you're like, you're waiting to see where's the firepower, right? The offensive just – and because they are built inside out. So you're looking inside at their, at their bigs and – Sometimes, you know, you're looking at Tubelis or whatever his name is, and they have that other... He's just... You know, they have this, like, dominant physical presence inside, which sometimes doesn't lend itself very well to March and, and you know, scoring a bunch of points in a hurry. But just, like, looking at their projections, you have UCLA and Arizona both on that, like, two-seed line, which I think UCLA probably is a one at this point after winning that game last night. And then the next Pac-12 team is USC as a projected 10-seed. Like... There's a big gap between the top two teams in this conference and the rest of them. So I like UCLA. I like, but I, I could see it being Arizona. I definitely think one of those two teams is going to be in the Final Four. Uh, if not both of them, you know, the, the, there's potential for, for that to happen. So the Conference of Champions, as Bill Walton likes to remind us, Will they still be called that when UCLA leaves? Yeah, I don't know. How, who gets to keep that? Does the Pac-12 keep that, or does that go with Bill Walton to the Big Ten? Yeah, who knows? We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to have some realignment talk with the Pac-12 because now they're trying to keep those border states from going to the Big Twelve. Yeah, I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need a beautiful mind board. Behind I just think me that conference is not gonna exist at a certain point, or it'll. It's gonna be like the Big East, where it exists, but it's like community colleges and Georgetown. <laughs> um, That's a great transition. Should we talk about the Big East tournament? We can. <laughs> no, yeah, we don't have to. Yeah, we should. I the, think yeah. the thing that I want to point out about the Big East tournament, which I think is more important than the actual results, Thursday afternoon. A UConn-Providence game at 2.30. People are going to be absolutely sloshed for that game. They're going to have an opportunity to pre-game, have about seven beers, watch that game, and then just hang around Madison Square Garden for hours. Uh That game is going to be wild. Yeah. Yeah, that, I think that's more important than any of the results. My the team I'm picking is UConn because I think they're the best team in the conference. I think the the game they're going to beat Providence. They're, they're going to have a really great game against Marquette, and that will be the deciding game in mm-hmm. the semifinals of which team wins. But mm-hmm. I think that would be such a fly on the wall situation. I'm not sure I'd actually want to be there because I'd probably get hit in the face. With the <laughs> game, but I would love. A UConn Providence game that that's yeah. just perfect, perfect Thursday afternoon activity. It's gonna be fun. I also like UConn in this tournament. 
I think UConn is, I don't know, there's something about them that I just feel like it's that that Hurley fighting gene. I just, I feel like I'm not, I'm not taking anybody against them. I mean, Marquette, Marquette is very good. I like Marquette. I like watching them play. I think that they have a style of play that is conducive to some success here. Uh, but UConn, I mean, early on in the season, they had one of the best resumes of anybody in the country. They've played well against very good teams. They're a balanced team in terms of kind of their their attack and, and where their strengths fall. And I just don't really trust some of the other teams. I don't fully trust Marquette. I don't trust I definitely don't trust Xavier. Providence just like got blown out by Seton Hall the other night. Providence had been playing so well and their defense has just completely disappeared. Yeah. Like they gave up ninety four points to Xavier and mm-hmm. then Seton Hall got eighty two. I mean, they just Suddenly forgot how to play defense. Providence is a weird, weird... They're my favorite, like, just weird tournament case. So they were ranked number 20 in the AP poll this week before losing to Seton Hall. So then they lost to Seton Hall by, like, 20 points. That's their second quad three loss this season. They have a non-conference strength of schedule of 283. Then they have three quad one wins, but only three true road wins this season and two quad three... Uh, losses now and they they're like they were 20th and and they're and even tournament wise like seeding wise you know they're they seem to be in better shape they're like a projected eight or nine seed they seem to be in better shape than some of these bubble teams like Clemson Pitt NC State that we've been talking about but like the numbers aren't really there to support it it's just like that they're one of the cases that I just don't understand mm-hmm. and, and like watching them against Seton Hall which I had a vested interest in because I had Placed a not insignificant bet on them, and they yeah, just thanks Ed Cooley. They just looked so bad. So I don't know. I like I like UConn or Creighton. It's going to be one of those two in my mind. Maybe I'm sleeping on Marquette, but the thing about UConn is they have one of the best. I know you love the term efficiency. Sure do. They they have one of the best <laughs> offensive and defensive efficient teams in the country. They have the best offensive rebounding team in the country. So even if the shots aren't falling, they are one of the best teams at going up and getting a rebound. They, they got offensive rebounds on 39% of their possessions on missed shots, right? That's, that's crazy. They hold their opponents to 45.1 uh, effective field goal percentage, which is 10th in the country. And they've won eight out of their last nine. They're, mm-hmm. of, of the games that they've won, they've won all of them by nine or more points. Some of them have been as many as almost 30 points. Like, they're peaking at exactly the right time. Like, they're playing really, really good basketball after they had, you know, like the month of January, they really struggled and lost some games that they probably shouldn't have. And they've kind of overcome that hump, hump and are now playing really, really good basketball. So... I like them. I would not be surprised at all to see them in the final four. It'll obviously it'll depend some on how they shake out in the bracket, but yeah, I I think this is where they make their statement to the world. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be interesting. To, I actually think the big the Big East tournament is um, super compelling this year because you do have some of these teams that at different times of the season have looked really great, and other times maybe not so much. And then you have like. Yeah, like like Marquette barely beat St. John's yesterday, but at the same time they've looked really good over the last you know for a while now, and have 
one of the better players in the country and uh, Tyler Kolek or whatever his that little that little guard it doesn't look like he's good at basketball even while he's playing he makes plays and I'm just like well he made the winning play last night uh, talking trash to the St. John's player who caused him to miss the potential game tying right. free throw right, right at the buzzer so he's a big, good job Tyler big time gamer but uh, but yeah this will be a fun tournament and then we're doing all this and then. Some you know Georgetown will make their run or yeah De- this, or DePaul. This is, so my my wife is a Georgetown grad and has been relieved that this season is coming to an end. I still think the funniest result would be Georgetown goes on another run like they did a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. make the tournament, save Patrick Ewing's job, and Georgetown fans I think would would be the most miserable fan base to win the Big East tournament. They would <laughs> they would just. just they would be tearing up, not being able to like even celebrate the fact that they won. I love that. All right, we've got Big Ten and Big Twelve left. Let's do the Big Twelve since right. the Big Twelve is the best conference in the world, okay. according to everyone. So they're the only conference that's worth talking about. Sure. And I think that it's going to be either the one or the two seed. It's in Kansas. Kansas or Texas. It's Kansas. Next. I'm gonna. I. I could see it being Kansas, and it probably will be, but the way uh, Texas played against Kansas yesterday, I'm going to give Texas a decent shot. Like, they they outplayed Kansas. They coached a smarter game. They outworked Kansas. They really kept Kansas from shooting outside uh, in the first half completely. So I really like what Texas has been doing, and I think that they are a very talented team. So it is funny that we've had to listen all year to – how deep the conference is. Baylor and Oklahoma State right. and Iowa State and everybody. And I feel like this is the most chalky. I mean, maybe I'll be wrong, but this just looking at the tournament bracket, this looks like the chalkiest conference. Yeah. I mean, outside of the Pac-12, I think. Outside of West Virginia get going on a run, winning, and then playing Kansas. If, if they beat Kansas, would you then say that they're in? Yeah, of course. Okay. They're not going to beat Kansas. <laughs> They're going to lose to Kansas by three or four points and fire off that Mountaineers musket. Go ears, go. And then they're going to be, you know, singing Country Roads, which isn't actually about their state. Anyway, <laughs> the uh, it's Kansas. I'm sorry. Like, yes, Texas looked really impressive in that win. and But, like, at the same time, as impressive as they looked, they don't win that game without Serge Barry Bird going on a run in the second half. Like, single-handedly scoring like 12 straight points it was unreal like the dude was just on fire is he going to continue to play for them in the tournament he, he'll be available right yeah but he doesn't camp. do that like all the time okay so I, I just think like it was an unreal performance that i just don't necessarily trust to like show back up but but you're right like ultimately what this is about is you look at the big 12 and you look and say yes this everybody's been telling us all year about how good this conference is and all these teams that you just mentioned tcu and all of them it's gonna be none of those it's gonna be kansas or texas it's not even gonna be baylor I'm, like they just don't i'm sorry it's it's not there it's it's kansas it's just it just is yeah okay all right perfect next Next. It uh, leaves us with the Big Ten, which doesn't even have its bracket out because there are games being played right now as we're recording on, on Sunday. Love it. So we just have to go with whatever whatever our vibes are at this point. <laughs> and Purdue is maybe a one or two seed nationally. Maybe they're still on that one line. I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
But man, they've they've been on the struggle bus for the last couple of weeks. I don't know if I trust them. Yeah, I'm off the bus. Okay. I um I, I I stuck with Purdue almost all season. I was like, yeah, they still got it. I'm done with them. Okay. Who you got then? All right. I trust in Mike Woodson. Oh. Indiana. Hoosiers are back. We're going all the way. Yeah, give me Indiana to win this conference tournament. I just, I just think that, I, I don't know. I just like it. You've got this, like, Indiana is in that cluster of teams in the Big Ten that are literally all 11 and 8 in the conference. I mean, there are seven teams at 11 and 8 in the conference, and then Rutgers right behind them at 10 and 9. So, like, it is a cluster right there, all tied for second technically, and, and you know, their tiebreakers and stuff. We'll figure that out. But I I just think that, I don't know, I, I, I think in out of coming out of all of that, uh, I can see uh, Indiana busting through. This is definitely the hardest one to predict because, like you said, so many teams all have the same conference record, and they all seem indistinguishable from any given moment, mm-hmm. right? Like Iowa... I was capable of hitting a million threes and scoring, and then they're also capable of just completely laying an egg and not playing well at all. And for that reason, I think I'm going to pick Purdue to win the Big Ten, even though I don't trust them at all in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I think my secondary choices would have to be either Maryland or Illinois, like depending on how the bracket shapes out. Maryland's been playing some really good basketball lately, which really upsets me. But I kind of trust them more than I trust Northwestern or Michigan State or Rutgers or any of these other teams. I yeah. just think that they're playing overall better basketball. So, and, and Illinois, too, I, I've said it on this podcast, Illinois is capable of losing to anybody or beating anybody in the country on any given night. Mm-hmm. Like if Shannon shows up and is balling, they are a really great unstoppable force. But then they are also capable of just looking horrendous. Yeah. And I so I never know what to expect from them. So given all of that just calamity, I think Purdue squeaks out of the conference. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's entirely possible. I think that my my second favorite team in that cluster probably is Michigan. And again, it's just like it feels like when you think about Big Ten basketball and you think about rugged physical just ugly i think of hunter dickinson (laughs) and i think like him and jet howard like i I just i like that michigan team michigan state has shown an ability to me this tournament is like probably the you talk about like the big 12 being a chalky look to me the big 10 is the most wide open because they're all right there outside of like yes purdue season long seems to have a little bit of separation from the pack and then at the bottom you have Minnesota who like doesn't stand a chance. But even Ohio State and like Nebraska, I could see them winning a couple of games in this tournament and making a little making a little run. Of course, as I just said that about Maryland, they just lost to Penn State. They just went ahead and lost by one point to Penn State. There you so. go. So now Penn State's in that ten and ten. Maryland's eleven and not so like <laughs> I don't know, man. It's it 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 could be wild. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean you know you'll get some you get some separation but i yeah it's a it's a mess it is just a 100% mess and i it's hard to look at the big 10 and look at an obvious i i i want it to be purdue like i i like that team and i've had faith in them most of the year but just right now i think with 
with the way that Indiana is playing um, and kind of have had to shift because of injuries, I'm just I'm just a fan. And yes, like I know they just dropped that game to Iowa by a lot the other night, but they also swept Purdue this season. Like you know, so I I, I don't know. I just think that there's a lot of potential there. But again, that that chunk of the conference where you have teams like Michigan State and Iowa and like Northwestern is probably like the sneakiest good team maybe in the country. <laughs> like I just think like they're a lot better than people think they are. But also, I every time I say that to myself, I'm like, are they? I went on a like a three game, four game losing streak uh, streak of betting against <laughs> Northwestern. And then finally won when they made that massive uh, yeah. collapse at Illinois. They yeah. finally, they finally felt like some of the gas finally <laughs> ran out of the car for them. So I know there's one other conference that you really want to talk about. Yeah, and that I and really it's don't. Whack. Yeah, it is. It is whack. So I I saw this and felt like this, and I almost didn't click on this initially because I thought it was you trolling me somehow. <laughs> Uh, but the WAC conference, for those of you who have not paid attention, decided to do their seeding for their conference tournament a little bit differently. So they did not do it exclusively by just conference record, which you know can create some confusion when a bunch of teams are tied and you got tiebreakers and what are you going to do? And but they decided they were going to put some analytics in there and get uh, Ken Palm to help him out with his design. And so you end up with a situation where Utah Valley wins the regular season, but is behind in their seeding points and ends up with the two seed, which also happened to be uh, a similar situation happened with their women's tournament as well, where the top team record-wise did not, uh, did not get the one seed in their tournament. So I'd like to turn it over to you. Do you like this seeding? <laughs> incorporating analytics rather than just doing a record getting what, seating points what do you think i don't know you seem, <laughs> you seem like somebody who's very open to change uh it has nothing to see modernization i i feel i feel as though my criticism of this has been unfairly framed so you don't like numbers hold on oh is that not it okay. so one i it is not based off of a lack of understanding of the analytics or the numbers. I, I get it. Two, it's not even as though I am like... like I, I will admit there's some level of old school thought process here. But I, I'm not like totally resistant to the role of analytics in trying to help understand some things. And sort out some close cases between teams. Seeding a conference tournament based on a statistical formula that is... In a lot of ways, in my mind, just from what I've kind of looked into since you told me about this like a couple of hours ago, because this has evaded my attention <laughs> probably for the best. This thing is inherently unfair in looking at the way that this breaks down. So I will say it does not determine regular season champions. So Utah Valley still is officially the regular season champion, and that's great. But using net to base like... They're, they are, they're using the net rankings to help them with their seeding system, which is a complicated system that Ken Palm says are not really based on his rankings. Right. He just came up with the algorithm. That's right. Which is wild. Like, why? Anyway, whatever. So, so to simplify it, they're incorporating non-conference games and analytics plus your record in the conference. 
that's the simplest way to explain it without getting into the technical minutia. Sure. Sure. So the, and, and another thing that makes this weird with the WAC is not every team in the WAC makes their conference tournament. Right. So you still have to like make it in there. So like if you have a scenario where somebody's like 10th in the standings, but the seeding system puts them below the 12 teams that make the tournament, they still make the tournament. Right. I believe that's right. Okay. So the the thing about it is that the WAC is not they don't have a balanced conference schedule, right? So not everybody plays the same conference schedule. Okay, that's so, true. But many conferences, though, yeah, and those conferences don't use right. these things to, to base their seating. So this is already like to me has created a bigger problem because now you're waiting games that other teams may not have. Also, non conference scheduling. Is not created equal. So, like, there are teams that, that like, other bigger teams don't want to go play, right? Or don't want to play. Like, it may not be beneficial for them in a lot of ways. So, like, Grand Canyon and New Mexico State can probably schedule teams that teams like California Baptist and Tarleton and, like, Utah Tech can't schedule. Just because of of name recognition and things like that. So, uh, to me, you're creating a system where the non-conference schedule is rewarding a team when they may not all have the same opportunities. So, there's not really the same opportunity to build up these numbers. And, I don't know, a team, like, winning games should matter. How many times do I have to say that? Like, if you win enough games to be the number one team in your conference... You should be the number one team in your conference. That includes for the conference tournament. So here's my thing about this. And this is coming from the perspective of somebody who loves the analytics, can't get enough of it, loves uh, changing changing things up, getting out of that old school mentality as much as possible. Why should the non-conference record impact the conference tournament? It shouldn't. It shouldn't. Why should? And, and furthermore, if you're really going to embrace this, then why not give the like why give the regular season championship to the team that has the best record so what you're saying is they deserve it because they played the best in the conference but then when it comes to a conference only tournament you're going to change it up yeah right like i I think it's fine if you want to put this out as a exercise for your conference or i mean one of the things that they said they were trying to accomplish in creating it was to encourage teams to play harder out of conference games which like you pointed out for those schools it's harder to schedule those games right like you know, you can't just fly Utah Tech mm-hmm. all the way across the country to play Duke in North Carolina, right? Like right. that's maybe not an option for you. But like embrace it. If you're if you're gonna say that this is what your conference should stand for and this is the best metrics for who's the best team in your conference, just lean into it. Don't don't even have a conference tournament at all. Put this together. Say this is the team that played well over the whole season. Here you go. You make it in like the Ivy League used to do with their records. Yeah. Just, don't have a conference tournament. What's the point? Yeah. Like, I think it's I think it's way, way too smart. It's one of those things that, like, they thought it was a cute, smart idea and would get their name out there. And it's, I, I mean, I feel like as I'm saying this, again, Skip Bayless take, you know. Yeah. It feels like a Skip Bayless take. But at the same time, like, I don't care what your record was out of conference. UVA is the two seed in the ACC tournament because of how they played against mm-hmm. ACC teams. It's not because they won against you know, Baylor and Illinois earlier. Right, in the year. right. Who cares about that? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think 
at this point, just put the calculators on the floor and let them play each other. Like, I'd, I'd watch that. Yeah, I mean, that would be great. But I just, I don't know, man. This is like. It's like if you decided the Super Bowl by running these Madden simulations that people do. That, that's ultimately what we're doing here. Is we're taking how teams look on paper and using that to. But it's just for seeding, though. So like, you, they still have to go out and play. It's a, right, but the games that they play are determined by how they look on paper. Right. So you, you've nullified the games that they've actually played, not fully, but they're incorporated into a broader formula. To me as a coach, if my team earned the number one seed in a conference and then got moved down to a two or a three or whatever, based on how, you know, somebody in a in a room on their computer calculated that my points per possession like how, you know, expected wins over whatever the f- we're talking about. Like I I don't know what their algorithm is. So I don't know what they prioritize, but like the point of the thing is I played a conference schedule and I want enough games to be the number one seed. I'm the number one seed. That period. The coaches, the kids on the team earned it. That That is it. Like there's no exceptions to that in my mind. I, I think this is awful. I think this is like, if, if it was to generate publicity, mission failed because I didn't even know about it. So they didn't even like generate attention in my mind. Maybe it's like That's now your East Coast bias. Yeah, your probably. It's also bias. my refusal to care about Utah Tech wow. and like schools like like the WAC has gone so far downhill um, in terms of the schools that are there. But anyway, the um, I just to me this is like in there with these rules. Why do the people in charge of these sports seem to hate their sports so much? And like they they want to devalue games and you know. College football, they want to shorten the games. Baseball wants to shorten their... Why do you hate your sports? Like, I, I just... I, I don't get it. To, to me, it's just... Like, a team wins games, they deserve credit for that. And I refuse to... That's where I won't be open-minded at all. I think in a slightly related story, I'm feeling very angry about Fairly Dickinson getting into the tournament as one of the first teams to clinch a spot because Mary Mac... The one seed is still in that into that transitionary period because they're they're moving to D one, and so they win the semifinal game as the two seed, and now they've clinched a tournament spot, and so now they're playing in the conference championship in a game that. Is, Why play your players? Like I would play walk ons. Well, maybe you want that banner to hang up. I guess does Mary does Mary Mac get to hang a banner if they win? They win the conference. So tournament they shouldn't even be in the conference tournament if they if they're ineligible. Right. And, and this is I'm saying that sort of tongue in cheek because I think and this is a high bar to clear. This is possibly the stupidest rule the NCAA has. Right. Like, and there's a lot of really dumb rules. The fact that a team can't qualify because they're new to Division One, to me, they should get like a bonus. For you're new to Division One and you're already qualifying for postseason play, like hats off. That's really that's really damn impressive to do. Like I, I don't know. I just I think this is horrific. I I know that one of your friends gave some shit over uh, my "Won't you think of the children?" kind of take on things, but <laughs> but in this case, like these are college kids who have worked their asses off and have won games to qualify for postseason at a higher level of competition than they're used to playing. What are we doing depriving them of that opportunity? So stupid. I think that, that this occurs as well with teams that are changing conferences. Like I remember JMU was ineligible for 
the Big South or whatever conference they are, Sun Belt. Sun Belt. Whenever, um, but the, but as they were transitioning over, they weren't allowed to compete, and I felt like that was just a an fu to all yeah. those athletes who were there and having opportunities, you know, maybe in their senior year to compete, and suddenly the tournament was taken away from them. Like it exists why? for no other reason than to be punitive, right? There is no why not why not take UCLA out of the Pac-12 tournament right now? They're leaving the conference. Yeah, let them. Just say, hey, we don't need them. There, there is zero reason to do this. I like, I have never heard a logical explanation that even part of my brain was able to say, like, oh yeah, okay, fine. No, this is just this is horrifically stupid. And put put Mary Mack in, make him a one seed. Let's go. I take them over West Virginia. <laughs> well, you just really hate West Virginia. I just got in the final four. I got to dig in. Okay, yeah, I'll see you there. They, uh, they deserve that. Just like. Detroit Mercy deserves to be in the CBI just so a kid can break a record. That one's a really tough one that they're because it's going to cost them a lot of money to get in, like to pay to yeah. travel there, like thousands of dollars, and they're trying to decide whether it's worth it to their university or not for this kid to break a record because he only needs three points, so he's going to do it in like the first few minutes of a game. So you're going to do all this traveling for him to to make one shot, and you're like, oh, cool. Now we have to play this other game that we're going to lose because. They're not a good team. No. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I think speaking of him is probably a good way to close this out because he is on the list of finalists for the Wooden Award. So we talked a little bit about ACC Player of the Year. Nationally, who do you think takes home the Wooden Award as the National College Basketball Player of the Year? I mean, Zach Eady is the odds-on favorite by a huge margin right now, so it's probably him. And that makes sense. He, I mean, Purdue is a one or a two seed, and he's the most important player on the team. If he gets in foul trouble, they are in instantly in a situation where they are possibly going to lose the game. Mm-hmm. So I think he's the obvious choice. Trace Jackson Davis is probably somebody who is right there along with him. Um, I think those would be my two top contenders Jalen Wilson has really done a lot for Kansas but I mean I think Zach Eady just puts up so many you know he's a walking double double every time he walks on the floor yeah I think it's got to be him right well that's what's interesting is like I feel like recently like the Oscar Chibway last year that being a big who generates those numbers gives you a benefit I think he'll be right up there again this year I mean his numbers are are right there again I like Marcus Sasser as from like a kind of a dark horse as a guard that could get this. You know, he just kind of changes games. But yeah, statistically, I think it's got to be Zach Eady. I hate how close Armando Baycott is going to be to it. If they make a run through, I don't, I don't know, I don't remember when the ballots are due and stuff. So if it'll factor in ACC tournament stuff, maybe he makes a run and averages twenty and twenty in the ACC tournament and wins this thing. But it probably is Zach Eady, which I don't love because I just I kind of hate watching him play, but. But yeah, I, I I personally would probably give it to Marcus Sasser. I think he just single-handedly sort of makes his team go, which to me is is uh, a pretty big deal. And I think on along the same lines, I like uh, Jaime Jaquez. It won't be him because the stats just aren't quite there. But yeah, probably Zach Eady. And National Coach of the Year, is it? I mean, it, it might be Kelvin Sampson. It might be. I think for me, it's NATO. It's probably going to be Shaka Smart, or yeah. I, he would be my vote at least. I, I don't know. I don't have who people expect to win, but mm-hmm. yeah, Kelvin Sampson would be there. I think 
Shaka Smart taking Marquette into you know, showing up, taking them into being one of the best offensive teams in the country and being the one seed in the Big East tournament. Yeah, I think he would probably be my pick. What a roller coaster. Like that guy was one of the hottest candidates in like like all when he was at VCU, like everybody wanted him. He ends up going to Texas, is like a big name for a little while, and then sort of falls off, ends up at Marquette. And now I think he's going to be back in the conversation if there's like a big, I don't know, like Carolina doesn't make the tournament. They fire Hubert Davis, Shaka Smart at Carolina next year. The thing about Shaka Smart is like Texas is not a good fit for everybody. Yeah. Right? Like with, with how much money they spend on their athletic department, you have insane expectations, even though Texas hasn't really been an elite team since Kevin Durant was there. So... I think that was just not a good fit for him. But you put him in a VCU, he is going to overachieve expectations. You put him in a Marquette, he's going to overachieve expectations. I think he would, again, you put him in a situation like UNC, where you demand success instantly, he's probably not going to be that guy. But he's going to be, I mean, his teams are going to be around and be an NCAA tournament force every single year. He's always been one of my favorites. And just, I think, really has done a really impressive job. <laughs> On the flip side, if we could leave this in or not, I just saw this. I don't know if you, it came up while we were recording. Texas Tech has suspended Mark Adams because he was encouraging a player to be more receptive to coaching and, quote, referenced Bible verses about workers, teachers, parents, and slaves serving their masters. That's probably not good. Apologized to the team after he found out the player was upset about the use of the Bible verse. Uh... I think he's going to get fired. <laughs> yeah, he probably will. He was, he was already under under fire for, you know, sort of the way the season went. Uh, and I think next time will be a really good time to talk about coaching vacancies. We're going to have some more open up in the next week and then some that we may be anticipating. Well, so, if they need a new coach, they can go back to Chris Beard. Chris right. Beard available. He is available. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of relevant thinking about Shaka Smart being really good and, and you know, probably finding his name in some coaching searches. There will be some coaching searches coming soon, especially if coaches continue to compare their players to slaves. Not a great look. Nope. Sure isn't. Um, Well, Patrick Ewing will also probably be on the market by next week when we record this. So, yeah, that that would be something we can mix in with talking about the tournament. Hopefully, Hopefully, when we're recording next week, we'll have the tournament bracket in front of us and can give yeah. our updated analysis of where every team is and where they're going and how far we can expect West Virginia to <laughs> almost go. Yeah. Well, you can always reach the show at preferred walk-ons at yahoo.com. You can listen to us on all of the many thousands of places that have podcasts, or you can listen to us directly from the Saber, which posts our podcast every single week. But you should still subscribe. Mm-hmm. I mean, you should listen to it in the Saber and also subscribe because that helps both us and the Saber. So let's do that. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd say listen to it on the Saber, listen to it on Spotify, listen to it on Apple Podcasts, listen, just listen to it like three or four times. You could actually do it in a round yeah. with our voices. That's we right. actually we record this. With that in mind. It's like that Netflix show where you could watch it in any order. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how the, somehow that's how this podcast works. Sure. So, yeah, you can do that um, and leave us a review. 